All right, hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. This is a podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links and see where it takes us. Believe it or not, folks, today's starting topic is Lockport Township High School, which is the second high school that we've hit in four episodes. So (laughs) this should be interesting. Uh And uh, John, why don't you start us off here? Well, Lockport Township High School also happens to be located in Illinois. Um, <laughs> the odds of that are staggering. Considering that it is a random <laughs> button, there are millions of articles. Sometimes so many articles within articles, we can't get out of them without just being in undesirable topics. And mm-hmm. yet, here we are, back at another Illinois high school. All right, well, here we go. Lockport, Illinois High School is... Uh, actually a really great high school it ranks in the top nine percent of all high schools in the nation according to the washington post that's that's pretty good that's really Uh, really good uh lths (laughs) is the only county school in will county the county in illinois in which this school is located to be included on the list (laughs) which ranks schools for effectively preparing students for college Wow. So this is a this is a bit of a step up from the uh, what was it Willport Woodland Woodland High Woodland School Woodland High School yeah, yeah. That, that we did in episode one. Yeah, the this is a much more substantial article. I guess makes sense considering how highly ranked it is. It was probably it was probably put together by one of the top nine percent high school students in I'm sure it was. the United States, Eric. This is probably Maybe. very comprehensive for reasons. Do you think? that the top percentage is directly proportional to amount of Wikipedia article that it has. I mean, we could probably test that at some point. We could do maybe like a holiday episode, a bonus episode where we like went through and we're like, oh, hey, mm. look at the quality of this school. How good is its Wikipedia article? Because I mm. guarantee you there's probably some like Ivy League schools that aren't that impressive right. Wikipedia-wise. And if they're not sporting the mm-hmm. Wikipedia goods, get them out of there. They're not elite. <laughs> In any case, that's beyond the point. Um, basically, this place is a little bit more developed, a little mm-hmm. closer to Chicago, and that makes a world of difference insofar as Illinois is concerned. Well, this does seem like a really big school. Because it says here 3,800 students yeah. in the high school in yeah. just four grades. Well, if you're one of the top 9% schools in the nation and you're a public high school, mm. you probably have a lot of families with kids that are just kind of knocking the door down trying to get into this high school just so that they have that on their transcript yeah. whenever they're applying for colleges because this is the place to go. Uh, it's not too close to Chicago, but it's close enough to Chicago that it's still mm. within the metropolitan area of it. Yeah. And uh, so there's still a lot of infrastructure, a lot of jobs in the area. It's probably a really good, really good area for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, something interesting here is it actually started as a log cabin. What? And it was built in 1857. Those are some humble beginnings. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got... It seems like it has a lot of history then, so... Oh, and it looks here like the Central Campus. Um, they have a picture here of Central Campus when it was built in 1909, which is the same year that the middle school was first built. The middle school overall ever was first built. Not too far away from our Ohio uh, genesis of the middle school idea over mm-hmm. in Columbus, Ohio. So one does have to wonder if those two things went hand in hand because That's it true. certainly didn't have to do with the fact that the log cabin burned down in 1895 <laughs> unless kids just didn't go to school for, you know, the better part of about, what, uh, 14 years? So <laughs> um, that was... It said that classes were held in uh, churches and other buildings until a new structure mm. was ready, but I'm willing to bet that that nice, fancy 1909 campus is not built in response to the uh, <laughs> new school. As a matter of fact, the article says it isn't. It was uh, A new school was built as soon as 1896, hmm. uh, following the fire in 1895 that got rid of the log cabin uh, premises. So they did have something else, and then they again reconsolidated when the middle school thing started to kick into gear back in 1909-1910. Looks like they have quite a few sports, just like every high school, I guess. Most schools have pretty much every sport a high school has. Well, that is, yes, <laughs> that is usually the case. I mean, like, there are a couple eyeballs like lacrosse and, right. you know, rifle. Not every school has rifle. Not That's every school true. thinks it's a good idea to tell their kids how to shoot guns. But, um, for, for example, our alma mater, mm-hmm. we had a swimming, but they did. we didn't have a swimming pool. That's true. We did so, not. We had to kind of just borrow borrow swimming pools from people. They yeah. weren't even always Olympic-sized pools. Some of them were just round pools. <laughs> people swam in them. Yeah, and they found an outdoor above ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Inflatable, Katie. Yeah. Whatever you got to do. Yep. Water slides. Hershey Park. Yeah. I heard that they uh, they would take a an inflatable swimming pool and then pull it by truck to Whoa. give the illusion of swimming. You know that it, it's basically the same effect because the water moves at the momentum. That's how physics mm. physics works. Water moves at the same momentum as the truck does, right. and then you just have to fight it because you're suspended in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. There you go. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely correct. Mm-hmm. That's a true fact. A true fact, right? Yeah. There. There, there we go. That's that's a true fact. I, I won't say one at the end this time. That's the true fact for today. Because that's such a facetious <laughs> lie that we need to get that out there. Right now, that that's not the way <laughs> physics works at all. Remind, reminder to everybody listening: we are on a high school mm-hmm. article, and we preclude no knowledge of physics between the both of us whatsoever. <laughs> okay, I did find something of some pretty big note here. What's that? Their high school band. Oh, I'm always into a high school band. Okay, they were in the hit film. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What? In the infamous scene of the parade. What? So, yeah. Which, now that I think about it, not that surprising because uh, the movie takes place in Illinois, Chicago area. 
There you go. And John Hughes is known for his love of Chicago and Illinois. So naturally, he just bought the set to Chicago. Yeah, give it a little authentic feel. And they're, I mean, if they're ranked top nine percent, you got to bet they could be the top school in Illinois. So he would have chosen the best band in the state. Fair to assume, yeah. That, you know, I mean, it's it might be some leaps in logic there, but I feel like that's pretty sound reasoning. I mean, it definitely seems like a cute town. It seems like a good area. Mm-hmm. The kids would definitely be able to uh, pull out the kind of quality that you would feel like, you know, would be worthy of being immortalized in a bunch of Hollywood glory for all generations to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how much of a timeless classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, but I'm sure it'll be around for a pretty long time. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Although I was about to say something, I, I'm glad I didn't say it. I was about to say it may be around longer than the band of the mm-hmm. Lockport High School. Um, I was going to allude to something along the lines of the fact that a lot of schools are now crunching down on arts uh... programs and how tragic that all is. But as it would happen, Lockport is going strong. They have been selected 19 times to play at the Illinois Super State Band Festival, and they have been selected as the 1999 through 2000 and 2006 through 2007 Super State Honor Band. They don't mess around with their music (laughs) at this school. They are serious about it. Uh, well, now I'm convinced that my theory is right about why they were selected for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean, yeah, even in 2012, look, as recently <laughs> as 2012, the Wind Symphony also performed in Carnegie Hall in wow. New York City. That they, is, that's that an is honor. A, yeah, that's prestigious. That's as something. All get out. Hmm. So yeah, the, he he chose John Hughes chose this band to be in Ferris Bueller's Day Off for very good oh, reasons. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it, cool. it, it seems like the school itself produces some good students because under the notable alumni section there are quite a few students who have gone on to play sports and then the last entry is the only one that's not involved in sports and is a comic book writer and film director huh i don't believe i've heard of kyle higgins but he is the comic book writer and film director under the notable alumni. I'm mm-hmm. curious. I am curious too. And I mean, because I wouldn't be surprised if he's done something that I would recognize. Exactly. If he's involved in the comic book sort of, mm-hmm. you know, realm, then that's probably something we want to check out. As well met as this school is at pretty much every subject they get their hands on, mm-hmm. that stands out to me as an interesting link. Let's go ahead and follow that and see where it takes us. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, wow. He's, he's got quite an article here. Yes, he does. Very, Best known very for his work here. on the Batman franchise at DC Comics, Kyle Higgins is an American hmm. comic book writer and film director. Uh, notable works of his include Batman Gates of Gotham and Nightwing. So, hmm. if anybody who's very entrenched in the Batman franchise out there, that's probably a household name for you at this point. Yeah. Oh, an interesting thing that mm-hmm. doesn't really have to do with anything but myself. Mm. <laughs> That's <laughs> he, fine. We can do personal was, notes. He grew up in Homer Glen, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And um, now, Homer, as you know, is the father on The Simpsons. 
Oh, I thought he was right? just a Greek guy. I thought he was that. Well, that too. Father, oh, father okay. of literature. Let's father say. Father of literature. Father of Bart Simpson. Yes, both fathers. Gotcha. My father's name mm-hmm. is Glenn. Hmm. Homer Glenn. Something there. So that that's that is an interesting connection. Yeah. Homer the father, Glenn the father. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Oh, okay. Um, looks like uh, he actually met and worked with Richard Donner, and that got him into filmmaking. Really? Yeah. Huh. So that's pretty cool. I don't know I if say. our listeners know who Richard Donner is, but he is... You may want to expand, because honestly, I don't. So, he, Well, <laughs> he made um, the uh, Superman 2. Oh, that's a... But the Richard Donner cut. Oh, that's a... Which is, you know... Um, I, I don't know. We, could we, we could expand on that well, a little bit. What's, see, what happened on Superman 2 okay. was... Richard Donner started making a movie, mm-hmm. and the studio was like, I don't want you making that movie. Ooh. I want you making this movie. Okay. Which happens. Yeah, with superhero movies especially. And uh, so somebody else took over for him, finished the movie, and apparently did a crappy job because people didn't necessarily like that version. Uh, and so they have since released... The original vision of Richard Donner in the form of a home video release on Blu-ray and DVD and such. Huh. Um, Okay. And, you know, you figure Richard Donner, director of Superman, this guy is a DC Comics writer, loves Superman, brought the two together. But in addition to Superman... Richard Donner has also done The Goonies. Okay. And let's see, Conspiracy Theory. He did that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, off the top of my head, remember exactly what other ones he's made, but things along that vein. Hmm. So he is a pretty well-known filmmaker as mm-hmm. far as... Uh, well Some classics of the 70s, late 70s, or the 80s mm-hmm. are concerned. Yeah, especially, you know, the 80s era. Um, he worked with uh, Steven Spielberg quite a bit. So that's probably, uh, I mean, that had to have been pretty influential on uh, little Kyle Higgins' life right there. Yeah, sure. And although he studied film, Kyle Higgins this is now, uh, it doesn't look as though he... Uh, did much with his film studies. He's a writer, he's a director, but this Wikipedia article, I've been skimming it now for the entire time that uh, Eric was talking about Richard Donner, and I I cannot find any actual movies or television series or even, you know, cartoons about superheroes yeah, that I, this guy has directed. I, I, see I he, do not see anything about his film... Which is a shame, really, because I am kind of—I was kind of pumped to see if he did anything that we would have known from, yeah. you know, of recent note. There's been a lot of superhero yeah, media w- coming I out. I would have thought maybe he would have directed something that I would have seen. Yeah, there's been a lot of filler, like animated films, in between bigger theatrical releases. So I'm kind of, kind of astounded, actually, that 
he still has director as kind of you know a title. Though to his credit, he does uh, continue the writing and uh, production of a comic book series by the name of Batman Beyond 2.0, which in its own right uh. is sort of a continuation of the. Batman Beyond animated series that aired back on, I believe mm-hmm. it was the WB network, right? I believe um, so. Back yeah. when WB was the C, before the CW, when yeah. the CW took place, <clears throat> Batman yeah. Beyond was still a thing. That was a very good show. It was. And I really I, enjoyed it. I, I assume that Batman Beyond 2.0, the comic, is pretty good as well, mm-hmm. because if this guy from that notable school is doing it, I assume it's up to par. I mean, it's gotta be you know, 91% or better based on the school being in the top 9% right. and then the United States being 100%. Mm-hmm. You take 100%, you subtract 9%. It's got to be better than 91% of the other people who would have made this series. <laughs> that's this. That, that, yeah. That's it. It's got to have a 91% rating, like critical rating. That's math and, for you. Yeah, that's how math works. So I think we're at the juncture now, though, where we have to kind of decide where we want to go from here and it really only leaves us with a bunch of options as far as comics go yeah we got a lot of comic book areas which we haven't really delved into on this podcast we haven't no so Um, we can can we've done all sorts of topics but i mean i wouldn't mind trying some kind of comic related thing doing a little comic relief perhaps i think so perhaps it's time for us to oblige our own uh nerdy desires here now do we want to go with a publication keep things broad Hmm. or do we want to go into a specific character or yeah character or a you know, a specific run or something. Because, I mean, we could go as broad as Marvel Comics. That is <laughs> a very but broad spectrum. Yeah, and, you know, frankly, we already kind of know our way around that topic. Well, let's so, go to something that we don't know. Like, yeah. something that's still interesting, but something that we don't necessarily know about already. Yeah, Now, I'm, I agree. as far as, you know, anything Marvel Comics is not really my forte. Mm-hmm. I, I've... I was talking about this with Eric earlier, that I am more of a DC man just by... Mm-hmm. Not because I think DC is better. I know it isn't. I just grew up with it. That's all. That's yeah, all. That's it's, how for it me, it's nostalgia. Sometimes. It's nostalgia value. Yeah. And I, at this point, you know, it's one of those things where I look at Marvel and I'm like, wow, I really wish DC could be this cool. Uh, I think the TV shows that are revolving around DC superheroes on networks like the CW are mm-hmm. definitely helping those characters along they're getting them where they need to go but i don't know if the comics are really keeping up with them anymore because frankly marvel has my attention now pretty well fully and <laughs> undividedly yeah they, so. <laughs> they've they've i mean they had their slump but they are definitely back into the swing mm-hmm. of things and they are going strong but that being said uh i feel like that's probably where we would want to go uh there's probably a lot of stories that uh, even being people who kind of follow that sort of thing now, we wouldn't have mm. read. That's true. I am and, uh, I am more knowledgeable of older comics, and actually, to be honest, specifically Spider-Man. I know my way around Spider-Man, but 
Do you? I'm not particularly <laughs> familiar with other areas other than general, broad ideas. So, canopy characters, that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. I know of many characters. Can't really tell you too much about them. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here staring at Eric wearing a uh, Spider-Man hoodie <laughs> where he can literally pull the hood over his head and become Spider-Man. Yes, so he, this he, is true. He is a little, he's a little involved with Spider-Man, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you could say. You could say. Um, that being said, what about this uh, Supreme Power miniseries? It's a Marvel Supreme series. Supreme Power? Yeah, Supreme Power. I have not heard of that. I don't even know the characters involved or if they are. Characters. I don't recognize any of these. Legitimately, none. So, this is a good place for us to go, okay. I think. Okay. All right, let's do it. Supreme Power. It redirects us to Squadron Supreme, aka Supreme Power. And it is a fictional superhero team that appears in publications. Under the Mature Audience Max imprint oh boy. by Marvel Comics. So, whoa, boy. Who knows where this <laughs> is going to take Stay away from us. this one, kids. Yikes. Okay, the team first appears in Supreme Power number one, surprise, surprise, <laughs> in January 2003. So, it's a rebooted version of the superhero team Squadron Supreme, and it's set in Earth... 31916. I don't know, am I saying that right? 31916? Um, I guess. I, I don't, I'm not really too knowledgeable on the Earth designations, the different universes of Marvel, because our standard Earth, I know, is 616. 616. Which you would think that the normal universe would be one. Well, I, I feel like starting at one would make sense. Maybe there's another universe that's more normal, and that's one. That's true. That could be. And then every abstraction of it thereon is a number. Maybe they wanted to differentiate. Maybe the real world is one. Maybe that's the separation. That could be it. 616 degrees of separation from <laughs> our universe. But yeah, let's see. What, what characters are involved in this? The members are Hyperion, Blur... Dr. Spectrum, Zarda, Amphibian, Tom Thumb, <laughs> familiar name, mm-hmm. Arcana, Emil Burbank, Nuke, Shape, and Inertia. So that is the members. So this is a very Avengers-esque story where there is a team of heroes that unites and ultimately fights a power uh this time a superhero that's employed by china and they try to stop him from detonating a nuke hmm. presumably let me i mean i don't i haven't gotten to this part of the article yet but maybe from maybe in new york city and maybe they have to go <laughs> into space to do it i don't know yeah it could be let's see it doesn't have any date with that or like a year does it a date as far as when the story takes place or yeah the story that story well um, it doesn't give us a year but it does tell us that well okay um team first appeared in january 2003 ah yes doesn't necessarily mean that this story was that time right so it looks like the story begins with hyperion 
Hyperion is a uh, guy from space. He's an alien. Uh, he is more or less raised by and then manipulated by the government into um, basically serving the government's whims. Um, and eventually, Hyperion becomes aware of this exploitation. He leaves. Uh, he doesn't want to uh, be contacted by Earth ever again. And so the government has to gather more superhumans to go get that superhuman back. Hmm. And uh, beyond that, the story sort of stops. Then it becomes another series hmm. uh, where new squadron members uh, start tracking Hyperion, who apparently has vanished now into a alternate reality. So in the alternate reality, Hyperion and a version of the Squadron or the uh, Supreme Power Squad rule the world, and uh, very few superhumans oppose the rule. So that's kind of how Hyperion acts out against his uh, feelings about being manipulated by the government. It's that he himself becomes the government, which of hmm. course uh, seems kind of like an ego complex at work. But, yeah. You know. That's always a recipe for disaster right there. Yeah. Yeah. So... Now, does it say here what his superhuman abilities are. Doesn't really seem to say what any of their powers are. Yeah, he's just kind of removed from a spaceship as an infant and is apparently hmm. given this strange crystal by the government that causes him to fall into a coma. One thing I'm noticing is that there is no mention of Kyle Higgins in this entire article. There isn't, is there? Like, Although why? he did write some it of just it. Linked it. They just linked us to this thing. They just threw us into this big, you know, cacophony of superheroes we don't know. We don't know the names of, the powers of. We don't know anything about. We're just figuring out their ego complexes and their <laughs> angst against the government as we go along. And our, our beloved Kyle Higgins, our... Our beloved top 9% comic book writer is, is not here to uh, help us through it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a shame. Although I do see the name here, Brian Michael Bendis, which I recognize from his run on Spider-Man. Because oh. I, I read through the first 30 years of Spider-Man comics, mm -hmm. 1963. To all the way up to 1993, and he was in there somewhere with a decent, you know, couple years. And I remember really, really liking his stuff. And I do see his name pop up in other places. I know he was involved in several of the animated cartoons oh, of Marvel. Okay. Um, so I, he's definitely, uh, definitely a good writer. So I, I'm sure that the, whatever this is, is pretty good. It does look like we start getting into familiar territory. About halfway through the article, you start seeing familiar names mm -hmm. like uh, Doctor Doom and Nick Fury. And uh, my Fantastic guess Four. is that they started with a completely original thing, try to start something new. People weren't really buying it, so then they were like, hey, wait a minute, but there's this guy that you all know. Yeah. And then they kind of helped sell the article, or sell the magazines and stuff, so. 
that's pretty well how uh, Marvel's going to have to handle things going forward <laughs> in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't really seem to be a way you can get. A, there doesn't really seem to be a way you can get around it. But at the very least, you can get other people to buy into stories. I mean, mm-hmm. legitimately, as hard as it is to just kind of plunge through a Wikipedia article that depicts the entire story. The characters here do seem relatively interesting. They're, yeah. They're relatively original looking. They don't mm-hmm. kind of bear resemblance to very many other superheroes outside of the, you know, tropes of uh, tight spandex showing off impossible muscles. <laughs> but it's, um, they, 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 there's an original story here, mm-hmm. um, genuine human struggle, uh, issues, and ultimately a satisfying nuke which gets carried away at the end of the story to a resolution that is not explicitly depicted which mm-hmm. is you know about par for the course right so it has all the makings of a successful a successful Marvel story yeah but it's uh just something that we're gonna have to I think wait on and see yeah. if we don't uh incur it in the future going forward mm-hmm. I, I don't uh understand why it was lumped into the mature label though yeah it doesn't really that, seem like it's too explicitly they, they don't really say anything about any kind of mature themes that wouldn't be because all of this stuff so far sounds like typical marvel fair yeah it really just seems like you know another superhero team people with different powers getting together saving the day um, with, of course, a fair amount of human conflict peppered in there for good spirits, but it's, um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's ultimately very, like, pornographic or, or like, extremely gory or violent. It's... Yeah, it's... Very odd. Don't know why they would yeah. go to the trouble, really, of yeah, putting really, it into yeah. a, uh, mature label. Uh, well, I mean, maybe I'll have to check it out sometime, see what's up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this article doesn't really go into it, I think, as well as actually taking a look at the series would. So, I don't mm. know. I think we should make a little note of this and yeah. perhaps check it out at a later date. Yeah, definitely add it to the list of... List of things to check <laughs> out and review. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode where we actually check out the... We could thing. do that. We could have like a little blog thing where yeah. it's like, okay, well, we're going to cross-reference this and then mm-hmm. cross-reference this episode, say a little bit about it, review the thing at hand. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Especially because I would kind of like to, to read this. But for the time being, I suppose it's about time for us to move on yeah. from here. And, you know, this... Uh, character arc actually does provide us with places to go that are outside it, of the comic book world. That is true. There are quite a few different routes we can go here. Mostly in the Middle East, it would look like. It's There's even a link for alternate reality. Just if we in wanted general. to get into like science fiction. We could do that. That'd be good. Um, there is a link for dictator. There is a link for African. Yeah. Mm. There's a link for President of the United States. There's a link for Super Speed. That has its own article? Super Speed has its own article. Now I hover over it and it says list of superhuman features and abilities in fiction. So that could be relatively... It could just be a short Super Speed is a lot of of these (laughs) attributes. Yeah, in, in superhero fiction. Right. But... I would be totally down for going to the alternate reality thing, seeing what that's about. 
Okay. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we go there? Okay. Alternate reality. Oh, this page has multiple issues. Uh oh. That means it's a good one, folks. That that could mean that multiple realities have been editing this article at one time. Uh oh. So. Well, maybe not. Uh oh. Maybe actually, kind of uh, a good thing. That could be. That could add legitimacy to this. Well, let's see what the uh, multiple issues are. This article possibly contains original research, original research on parallel universes. <laughs> Very good. Okay. okay yeah. Well, that's. Uh, <laughs> this article is written like a personal reflection or opinion essay. Well, uh, how do you write a non-personal reflection or opinion essay on the subject of parallel universes? It's a fictional specifically universe. in fiction. Yeah. This is. This specifically labels fiction. Fiction. It has it in it's, parentheses. It's not saying this is nonfiction. Right. So I don't understand. I mean, maybe it's the way it's written. Let's look, take a look at the article here. Let's take a crank at it. Uh, wow. Well, I use the word hypothetical to describe parallel universes. So they're right there. That's throwing an opinion out. You know, because uh, who's to say whether it's hypothetical or not? You know, it's. I mean, it's fiction. Not get... It's fiction. <laughs> it, it's all hypothetical. There is yeah. no. There's no if or is there. I mean, it's fiction. Unless we're talking about like a stranger than fiction scenario, there's there's no way it's reality. <laughs> That's by definition fiction. Right. Oh, I mean, boy. so I guess um, in case our listeners aren't aware, somehow a parallel universe is basically a universe similar to the one that we live in but is either slightly different or very different and exists at the same time but in a completely different realm of reality meanwhile we have always had sort of an element of other worlds uh if you look at mythology uh things that are pretty familiar to us, like Heaven, Hell, Olympus, or Valhalla. They're all considered to be alternate universes as far hmm. as the concept of a parallel universe within fiction is concerned, because really all it's talking about is just uh, worlds that are very similar to ours, but are either uh, heavenly or lower in that they have more flaws. So right. a heavenly reality would be like Heaven, and then a lower reality would be like Hell. Mm-hmm. So, there are planes of existence where laws of nature differ, and that, of course, opens up the whole shebang <laughs> of uh, fantasy novels that mm-hmm. you and I are familiar with, uh, and not only limited to that, but mythology, religion, the whole lot is really kind of uh, ready to be cracked open. Well, so basically, this article is essentially saying... All works of fiction exist in an alternate reality. Yeah. In their own alternate reality. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know. That's not really a big uh, it's not a very surprise. Big claim. <laughs> I mean, it's you're kind saying, of obvious. I mean, this, is a, this, is a very, this is very much of a letdown, I would say. Yeah. When I went to a parallel universe article, even with regard to fiction, I wasn't expecting the parallel universe to be the fiction. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's not even really... This is saying that... Oh, yeah, well... 
Sometimes fiction novels don't tell you the truth. Sometimes they take <laughs> place in worlds that have magic in them. I guess, essentially, I, it's just saying that fiction is fiction. Yeah, <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. And it's sort of upsetting in that I was looking for something that would sort of warp my mind hmm. here. And I'm getting things like, you know, heaven or the Chronicles of Narnia or, you know, Hindu mythology, Lewis Carroll. I mean, those are these H. are all Lovecraft. great. I mean, these are all great ideas in fiction. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt in my mind. But at the same time, it's not really what I was looking for. There's one or two links in here that are interesting. Mm-hmm. Sideways in time. That looks like something that would be, hmm. you know, along what I would think a parallel universe right, to yeah. be. But I mean, I can't say the article's wrong, though. At the same right. time. Like, philosophically? I mean, it's yeah. right. I mean, yeah, it's right. It's just <laughs> <laughs> There's no magic in the world that we're in. I can see why there, is. there are multiple issues with this. Yeah. But... Yeah. Under the science fiction section, it is a little better. Oh, yes, it Um, is. They do explore um, Edwin A. Abbott's Flatland, Mm -hmm. which is actually pretty groundbreaking considering it was written in 1884. Oh. I didn't realize it was that old, but um, if you're not familiar with Flatland, it is fantastic. I've Mm. seen the movie version of it. Essentially... It starts out in the world of one dimension, where there's just lines and dots, and it's just one dimension, and then it moves into the realm of two dimensions. Okay. Squares and um, circles all moving around in a two-dimensional space Mm -hmm. where they see each other as lines. Because they are looking at each other on the two-dimensional plane. So they can't see. Right. And then Mm -hmm. a couple of the characters jump into the third dimension, and then they see the third dimension, and they are blown away because they had no concept of it before. Wow. And, yeah, so then they even, I believe, get into the fourth dimension, and it's... Yeah, it's really, really interesting and kind of like each each different land has its own name. Like the zero dimension is point land because it's just points. Hmm. And then line land has one dimension and flat land is two dimensions and then space land is three dimensions. So I honestly didn't know this was a thing. That sounds legitimately interesting. Oh, yeah, to- it's... Is really, really, really interesting. And this is a novel, you said? This is. It originally was a novel okay. written in 1884. I like that concept was written in 1884. That's that's definitely mind blowing. Like, because you know H.G. Yeah. Wells is around writing his stuff, that, and that Jules predates Byrne, but... that predates H.G. Wells. It oh, says yeah. right here in the next paragraph. Oh yeah, Time Machine by H.G. Wells was released in 1895. Mm-hmm. So. That really was, like, a very fresh concept for the Uh, time. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine being somebody living in that time, seeing this novel and being like, what? (laughs) That would have been pretty (laughs) mind-blowing. I mean, even even by today's standards, it certainly isn't a very, you know, structured concept. That's still Mm -hmm. very abstract. Yeah. So, that's pretty good. Yeah. Now... 
that being said, I guess that really was kind of like the original inception of the common today uh, sort of perception of what parallel universes would be. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, says here that there are many different examples of it that have since emerged. Uh, seems to very much hover around Britain, with the exception of That's reference true. to the Flash. It looks like there's. Uh, <laughs> Quite a few references to Doctor Who and uh, Douglas Adams in mm-hmm. here, which all sort of makes sense, really, when you're talking about multiple timelines. Then yeah. you're gonna have—I mean, even if there's no magic, you're bouncing back and forth between different events, different uh, possibilities. So that's, but I mean, it, it is very interesting to note that that's exactly right. where it came from. 1884, huh? It's always the 84s that get you. Isn't yeah, eighty four, nineteen eighty four. Eighty four is the year. Yeah, gotta watch out for that one. No, watch out for twenty eighty four. It'll be something. We'll see to it because uh, at this point, I think we're kind of convinced that there's something behind them. <laughs> there, there's a sort of mis- mystery to them. It's gonna be one of those uh, conspiracy theories. Watch out. Hyperspace. Now here we're getting into interesting. I feel like the further we get down in the article, the better more interesting getting. it gets. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we pre- prematurely judged it. Yeah. In the introduction, maybe they were just like, "All right, we got to get this out of the way. It's you know whatever the it fiction is the stuff." Origin, yeah. sort of. But yeah, now that we're getting into hyperspace, we're seeing stuff about um, using faster than light travel as a shortcut to jump across the universe. Or wormholes. And yes, wormholes. <laughs> Don't forget wormholes. Gotta gotta use those. Those are uh, little ways to uh, get through massive amounts of space. Uh, mostly it's a plot device in things like Deep Space Nine or Interstellar. <laughs> uh, yeah. But essentially, what a, a wormhole would be is folding space on, on top of itself. And there's a hole in between the two opposite points of the universe, and you pass right through instead of traveling all around. And so you, in such a way, circum just cut up a whole, all, all a bunch, a whole bunch of time from your, yeah. from your trip. And in doing so, age incredibly. Yep. Well, no, you stay the same age. Everybody else ages incredibly. But everybody else ages incredibly around you, and. That tends to get a little awkward, but only very recently have we really given that uh, some credence. I feel like <laughs> you've only really, in the last several years, have started to uh, see relativity play a, like a major plot point. Right, not, yeah. It's not... Because I, th- I feel like up until now, people have kind of not been really quite sure of what to do with it or how it works. Right, but... So they're kind of shying away from trying to employ it as a plot device. But now we're, we're, we're tampering with it at least. Yeah. And I think we need to because it is... Well, I mean, in the with the movie Interstellar, just them developing the technology to create the visuals of the wormhole actually gave new theories and insight into actual wormholes. <laughs> and black holes and stuff. That's so, true, yeah. So yeah. we have a better idea of what's going on. Yeah. And that allows us to have a little bit more confidence in it. Yeah, so it's definitely a you know, a good relationship, science and science fiction. They need each other. They really do. Wow. 
So, here's an interesting thing. Uh, the next subheading in this article is time travel and alternate history. Mm. And one of the uh, examples that they cite is uh, time travelers in fiction ulti- ultimately uh, creating alternate histories. And there is a novel by the name of The Guns of the South by Harry Turtledove. Wherein the time traveler gives the Confederate Army thousands of AK-47 <laughs> rifles, and thus they end up winning the American wow. Civil War. Uh, I definitely want to read that sometime. <laughs> that is something I want to read about. I mean, wow. At least I think that's a book, I assume. I would guess so, yeah. Uh, Ward Moore reversed the staple of alternative history fiction in his Bring the Jubilee in 1953, where an alternative world where the Confederate States of America won the Battle of Gettysburg <laughs> and the American Civil War is destroyed after a historian and time traveler from the defeated United States of that world travels back to the scene of the battle and, by inadvertently causing the death of the Confederate officer whose troops occupied the round top, <laughs> changes the results so that the Union forces are victorious. So there is literally an alternative timeline war between uh. novels about the <laughs> Civil War. There is a war within an alternate history of the Civil War. Wow. That's so how there's a deep civil the Civil War, war was civil in the United war. States. Yeah. There's a civil, civil war war. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> okay, that was what I was. That was what I came here for. <laughs> yeah. This okay. is it. Yeah. This is this this stuff right here that we're getting into. This kind of reminds me of the uh, movie, The Final Countdown. Have you ever seen that? I don't believe so. I only ever caught wind of it because it was similar in title to the famous Europe hit single, The Final Countdown, (laughs) of Arrested Development fame. But The Final Countdown is a movie where the USS Nimitz, a modern-day aircraft carrier with jets, the whole lot, is just floating along in the sea and all of a sudden goes through a wormhole goes back in time, and is right outside of Pearl Harbor just before <laughs> the attacks wow. during World War II. And they have to choose whether or not mm. they want to get America, They want to get involved. They could like save a bunch of lives with all the modern technology mm. that they have and with the knowledge that the attack is coming. But at the same time, if they don't want America to get involved in the war, they don't exist. <laughs> because aircraft carriers never get to the level that they're on wow. right now. So they have to... like face sort of a Back to the Future photo Hmm. dilemma where they're like, okay, we can save lives and disappear, (laughs) or we can just kind of sit here in the 1940s, helpless, dead in the water, and watch our nation get attacked. Hmm. So, I mean, that's, uh, these kinds of, those kinds of things are really fascinating possibilities to me, as far as fiction is concerned. I I, I really enjoy the the kind of conflict it can create (laughs) when done well. Yeah, anytime you get into... Um, time travel especially you run into a lot of paradoxical problems and you have to really make some heavy choices oh yeah heavy heavy there's heavy. a back to the future term for you <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> well it's 2015 we're allowed to use back to the future words that's now. true <laughs> here i was considering wearing my yeah. hat tonight even uh, from back to the future part two it's just, it's just the uh, year for it you know yeah uh, there's a lot to catch up on before October. 
we have around, or November. How many more movies? Uh, how many more sequels to Jaws do we have to have before? Uh, I believe about sixteen. Okay, something like that. It's gonna have to I, be. It's doable. I mean, we have Just, to make them short films. Yeah. Or, or really crappy sci-fi movie. Or films. what you do is get sixteen directors. Uh huh. Have every one of them make a Jaws movie at the same time. <laughs> Are they? They're not in like any cohesive order. They're just kind of like they're all happening. We all just say like sharks go crazy one day. They're all after everybody all across the world. Do what you will. Yeah, there you go. I actually thought it would be an interesting idea to have a movie like a post-apocalyptic movie or during the apocalypse movie, right? Where you get the view, where you get a whole bunch of people from all over the world, filmmakers. You get them all to make a movie about the same exact event, but from their p- point of view. Their own cultural right. sort of diversity contributes to the film itself. Yeah, so like... That would be excellent. Yeah. So like, because I was watching the movie Deep Impact on TV, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, every single like disaster movie you see, it, like, it's always... You only see your country's perspective of that event. Yeah, yeah. And... But obviously, it's happening to the entire world. Right. So it would be interesting to see a bunch of parallel movies take on like one gigantic movie from different perspectives. I think that's something that you don't see enough, and I think that's why I like movies like uh, The Cabin in the Woods. Mm. You do have cutaways to scenes of the ritual that the is being conducted mm-hmm. all over the world. The Japanese handle it in a very different way. There's oh, one yeah. that's going on in like mm-hmm. Europe in addition to the one that's going on in the United States. And then you have things like Pacific Rim, which <laughs> are, you know, Australia has a giant robot, yeah. the US has a giant robot, <laughs> Russia has a giant robot, Japan mm-hmm. has a giant robot, so it's China. And they all get together and they're fighting these things, but they all have their own sort of, you know, diversity that they bring right. to their fighting styles, to fighting the robots, or to fighting the giant dinosaur <laughs> things. So, yeah, just like imagine uh, Pacific Rim coming out, but only being all, like 17 different movies about yeah. Pacific Rim, yeah, but about different countries, completely different that would stories. Be amazing. Yeah. Just like seeing the way that everybody handles it. Yeah. How like certain things are sort of muted and other things are sort of played mm-hmm. up a lot in other cultures would be really astounding. I mean that's one of the things that's kind of fascinating about parallel universes is mm-hmm. that we have parallel universes. They're called, you know, cultural boundaries. We don't right. really, we're not we're grown up we, we grow up in a certain viewpoint mm-hmm. but ultimately we don't have any actual exposure to seeing things through other people's eyes. I think mm. that movies, stories like that would be really fascinating for that reason. It yeah. gives us the opportunity to actually do that kind of thing. So if we had a sort of generic template for people to follow across the board, that would be a fantastic medium yeah. by way to do that. Because, I mean, you see, um, they did do a couple movies. They have been doing a couple. Um, I don't know if you saw Paris Je Temps. Uh, it's it's a bunch of short films, like five yeah. minutes long, mm-hmm. um, strung together that all take place in Paris, and uh, it was it was made by a bunch of different filmmakers. They all made their own little short, and it was strung together in a movie. But you know, I'm talking much larger scale, full right. movies by taking place in different areas of the world. Right. The premise just being like for all the Jaws sequels, for example, like right. 
all of the sharks are pissed. Yeah. There are sharks everywhere. <laughs> They're all mad. How do your people react? Right. Your people go to the beach, don't they? They do. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happens? <laughs> I think that would be a legitimately interesting yeah. premise. I, think, I would really get behind it. I think the film community really needs to start trying to work together to create some really interesting concepts. Well, I think we've been speaking to it, but we just haven't been doing it in the right way. Like, even in yeah. this article here, there's the idea of convergent evolution, mm-hmm. which is apparently a parallel universe in its own right, where uh, biological uh, species that are unrelated to each other ultimately because they're from, you know, a different planet or a different place, ultimately they attain the same sort of attributes and roles mm. in their own ecosystems because, you know, they have to. That's just kind of like a natural end to things. Right. And that sort of is displayed mostly in science fiction, I think, whenever we run out of ideas about how to make <laughs> aliens different and they end up being sort of humanoid. Right. That's kind of that <laughs> idea. But we have that already. Here on Earth, we mm. have... That kind of diversity, so that's kind of something we don't utilize enough. We look to uh, make metaphors where we could just be like, eh, you know, <laughs> we have we have the resources to do this in like a very realistic capacity. Why don't we just make it happen? <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I think we're I think we're gonna start seeing that kind of thing. Although I don't think we'll I see so. I don't think we'll see Jaws nineteen happen. As yeah. cool of an idea as that would be, that would be cool. I mean, maybe maybe Godzilla could make it work. Because now think, that we've think, done the yeah. American Godzilla reboot, and it's actually and sort of been good. Japan is actually doing their own. Exactly. They're going back, yeah. and they're kicking it back into gear, so could, why not elsewhere? Could see something. I, I think it's going to be an encouraging way to go in the future. Well, this has certainly become quite a discussion on this one article. That's true. Uh, well, there, it is a, a very long article, too. And it covers a lot uh, of different stuff. It does. I mean, we got some really good conversations going about... All of the stuff that's in this article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's quite a lot, but it is a very, you it's know, a very broad big, topic. Yeah, I mean, you think about parallel universes by this definition. We're talking Lord of the Rings. We're talking mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I mean, a- anything and everything that you can think of that even slightly changes the course of history, or involves, you know, alien, alienoid figures. Mm-hmm. It's all a parallel universe. Which is... I, I mean, I, I, I'm, my mind's kind of opened by this article a little bit. I yeah. didn't really think of half of these things as being parallel universes, and they essentially are. Yeah. Huh. Now, the question is, which one of these There's thousands so of many. links do we follow... All right, let's just take a let's just pause for a minute and think this All one right. through because this is something we need to do. But we want to do but it right. You do realize <laughs> before we get into it, okay? That oh no, I know what you're going to say, but say it. go <laughs> ahead. We will choose Jeez. every single one of these links, but the one yep. that these listeners listen to. Is, is the current timeline. The current timeline. Uh, boy. <laughs> Why do we have to have these choices thrust upon us, Eric? These are, these are no, like, so really, pretty crucial choices. Any choice we make is the right choice, because we've made oh. all of them. All right, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That, that was actually Ian McDonald, and <laughs> I don't know who that is. 
That's not mm -hmm. any reason for not clicking on it, but it is sort of hot-blooded of me to just sort of choose that haphazardly. Alright, um, well, well, let's just take a minute to breathe and think this Gotta relax through. a little bit. Gotta shake it off. Circle's been too exciting. Interestingly, I have a purple link here, because I was looking up uh, things about Terry Pratchett's Discworld series last <laughs> night. So, since that is a alternate universe, hmm. it is something I already have clicked in this particular article. Um, Dark Tower well, by Stephen King, which we mentioned. We could, we could narrow down our options a bit mm -hmm. by at least deciding a broader topic. Right. Do we want to go into fiction? Do we want to go to books? Do we want to go to movies? Or do we want to go with a scientific topic, like something to do with space or wormholes? Or do we want to go with, like, a more meta topic of, like, plot device? You know, get into literature, you know, not itself, but how to write it and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Like, what broader topic, or, you know, do we want to, do we want to keep going into fiction, or do we want to go somewhere else? I don't know. I'm just going to say that I found a alternate universe about Sonic the Hedgehog. Down alternate here. universe about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's from the comic book series, so that's probably going to be some sort of, like, really bad thing that we should not click. <laughs> I just wanted to say it was here. I, I really don't think we should... Oh, no, there's also a, an option for Transformers. We can go to the alternate universe, the, the alternate universe where uh, Autobots are evil and Decepticons are good. Wow, what a twist! What a switch, guys! I mean, man, that's not like the most obvious, most obvious possible alternate universe regarding the Transformers franchise. Yeah, that's not really stretching the um, topic very much. Nah, not particularly. <laughs> it's not, it's not um, breaking any boundaries or. That's true. That's anything. true. Huh. series. I keep coming across Sonic, man. Sonic CD. Each Sonic <laughs> Zone has four variations. Past, present, bad future, and good future. <laughs> but, I mean, the, then again, there's there's tons of video games in here. I mean, That's oh, true. there's a lot. Well, we haven't really talked about video games yet. We haven't given them their day in the sun. We may as well do that while we're talking about comic books and everything else. We might as well get right. This might as well just be the nerdy episode. Yeah, there well, you go. a nerdy episode. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll yeah. have to trudge back through. Darn <laughs> shucks. Go back into history and science and, and all that just, stuff. You know, man, rats. Shoot, darn it. But in this case, what do we want to do? Uh, hmm. We do have Fallout, uh, Metroid Prime. Hmm. The Elder Scrolls 4 actually offers an alternate universe to the um, general Elder Scrolls universe by way of its plot. Hmm. Uh, Super Paper Mario. Legacy of Kane. Well, I mean, I, I would I would like to delve into something that I haven't actually played. Learn something new, you know. That is kind of the that's kind of the objective. So yeah, let's see. Uh, Legacy of Kane, I haven't played. How about you? I actually have not played it. I have heard of it. I may have played a demo, 
There's also a uh, game called The Darkness. I have... Well, I've played the demo of that. Pivots around a world of darkness you travel to when you die, which is occupied by World War One soldiers. Maybe I haven't played that. <laughs> Why is it specifically occupied by World War One soldiers? And also, hmm. does it have anything to do with uh, believing in a thing called love? <laughs> That's the other question. Uh... I would totally be down for that, honestly. Alright, let's go to the darkness. Okay, I have played the demo of this game. Okay. But I do not remember the World War One soldiers. So maybe that wasn't in the demo. Yeah, that may have been something they added later. But they don't they sure don't look like World War One soldiers. Looking at these pictures, yeah. there are some sort of what are these called? Uh these like lion lionfish? I forget what they're called. You? Oh, anglerfish. They look ah, like anglerfish. anglerfish. They look. They have very similar teeth and yeah. eyes, glowing eyes, very similar to deep sea fish. Mm -hmm. So, not like too many World War One vets I've met in my lifetime. Yeah. At least not yet. Maybe they'll mutate one day and return as this. But hmm, what is going on in this game? Okay, well, it looks like he's a member... The main character, Jackie Estacado, is a member of the Mafia. Okay. And he gets a hit put out on him by his uncle. And then while um, he's hiding, the darkness, the namesake of the game, right. voiced by Mike Patton. Oh, the, so... The Mike Patton of... Mr. Bungle and Faith No More fame. Yes. Um, it, which is an ancient demonic force. Uh -huh. Very fitting. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, uh, yeah, comes to him and um, awakens within Jackie. And then he slaughters the mobsters that are after him. Well, that's probably bad news for him. Probably... Yes, and then the darkness starts to use him for its own ends. In an alternate universe, at that point, Mike Patton would use his voice to uh, project himself through Jackie, <laughs> and he would become the man, the darkness, uh, in oh. part with the other guy in the band of darkness. There you go. And that would be the end of the game. He would, he would <laughs> kill mobsters, uh, sell his soul to the devil, and then subsequently become the greatest one-hit wonder of all time. <laughs> but in this game, it uh, looks like the uh, mobsters get Jackie back by way of kidnapping his girlfriend and killing her, which subsequently leads him to commit suicide, and that takes him to the realm of the darkness, where we start walking through uh, pits of undead world war one soldiers. Yes, definitely did not get to that part <laughs> in the demo. Yeah. I'm sure they felt like ending it in the not realm of the darkness to keep things interesting. Right. They wanted to keep it suspenseful, and yeah. they did, but it looks as though the World War One soldiers are physical manifestations of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So oh. we're dealing with some antichristish type stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Huh. Now... What happens that... I mean, what does he do once he's committed suicide, now that he's in this realm? 
How does he get back? Or does he get back? What's the basis? I mean, he's... Well, it looks like he meets an ancestor and tells him that to free himself of the darkness, he needs to invade a castle, and that will bring him back to the uh, living. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, hold on. I know I'm thinking about this too much, but objectively, you kill yourself... And you wake up in a world that's occupied by World War One soldiers that are undead, but ultimately you're okay? You got out of that bargain, like, scot-free. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's so bad about this? Is Do they tell us, like, why there's a reason for him to, like... He opt himself because of the emotional hardship of losing his girlfriend hmm. after he uh, had her killed. Now, why is he... He suddenly wants to go back? To that world? Like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? Alright. Okay, let's continue. Yeah. Got Soldier Force through the bad writing, against all hope of finding reason behind it. <sighs> okay, so what do we do? The great-great-grandfather mm. reveals that he was brought to the darkness, that he brought the darkness into his into the family, and tells Jackie to free himself of the darkness, like yeah. you said. Okay. So it looks like he ends up being brought back into the land of the living and then he goes for revenge against the people that killed his girlfriend and eventually he starts to face the darkness and surprises him by willingly being taken by hmm. the darkness's power and the darkness tells him that while he has control now, each time Jackie takes a life, he'll become more consumed by the darkness. Mm. So the darkness basically is helping him out, sort of, but also kind of gradually like, Hey, I'll lend you these superpowers, but at the end of it, I'm gonna eat your soul. <laughs> type thing. It's one of those contract deals. Yeah. Well, let's not spoil the uh, ending of the game. Fair enough. There are probably um, people who would like to play it. Right. Even though oh, yeah, it, it sounds it sounds interesting enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that was worth checking out. I don't know if I would play it personally. It feels like. Yeah. I again, I still have issues with the like. Oh well. I really don't like this world. I'm gonna <laughs> get out of here. You get out of here. You're like, hey, there's another world. Great. <laughs> No harm, no foul. <laughs> I'm out of the world I don't like. I'm in another world now. Let's go back to the let's world. Let's go back to like. the world I don't like. <laughs> well, what's going on? I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like the whole, like you wake up and you're like, you have time to think about. It. Like, mm. ah, I, I killed. Did I really killed myself. That yeah. was man. That was a limpy thing to do. Yeah. Done that. I really wish if I if I could take mm. anything back, I would take back the killing of myself. <laughs> that's what I would do. Maybe that's the sort of thing you think about after you've already yeah. done that. I don't know. Could be. Let's see how it did with critics. Ah, always um, a relevant statistic. See, it seems that they favored it. Um, Not bad. Eighty-two out of a hundred. Yeah. Eighty out of a hundred. Pretty that's, good. It's pretty good. It's a B. B yeah. minus. And it's sold over a million units worldwide. Pretty good for a video game. Pretty good. And also, the censorship board in Singapore banned the game for excessive <laughs> violence and religiously offensive expletives. How? Wait, in Singapore? Singapore. Singapore had religiously offensive expletives. Yeah, I mean, there what, is an entire they... article on censorship in Singapore's video games. We have a link to it right here. <laughs> I think that. 
I, I, I would I agree. think that's the thing. But before we go there, I just want to mention this game does have a sequel. There is so, another one. There is a sequel. Let's go to censorship in Singapore video games. Okay, so it looks like in April of 2008, a subcommittee in the Singapore government called the Media Development Authority decided that video games needed to be classified into certain systems, uh, kind of like the rating system that we have here by the ESRB. Um, and there were uh, age advisory stickers applied to games, which, hmm. I mean, that seems reasonable. That's yeah. kind of standard across the industry, I think, yeah, I th I at think this so. point. Um, there were some that were called age advisory, which was suitable for age 16 and above, so that would kind of be the equivalent of hmm. a mature game in America. Right. Um, since we sell them to kids starting at 17. Right. Here. But, uh... That's just a game like an Age of Advisory game would just be something like Left 4 Dead or Mass Effect 2. Just something that has, you know, a pretty standard amount, but not overly uh, right. excessive amount of gore for the game that it is. And then there are the mature games where are the, the where, which are restricted to people of 18 years or more, things like the Grand Theft Auto series, where you can, <laughs> well, do any number of things with uh, other yeah. human beings around you. We won't go there. Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2. That's that, an interesting one for a mature game. Yeah, because that's mostly revolved... If I recall correctly, if that's anything like any of the other Ninja Gaiden games, it's probably mostly skill-based. It's not mm -hmm. really been a game about... Um, Excessive, excessive <laughs> gore, in my recollection. Well, but, I mean, maybe, maybe it's for religious reasons. Maybe there's some kind of. It does uh, say. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I don't know for thing, sure. The thing is, is that what we have to make note of is we're in the article for censorship in Singapore in general. The right. hashtag for video games brought us to this subheading, mm. but I mean, we have performing arts, print media, foreign publications, television. Maybe if we scroll up. We'll find something that's kind of like why they're doing this thing. <laughs> well, um, it appears they banned the song Puff the Magic Dragon what? because they feared that it referenced marijuana, which... Well, yeah. Well, actually, a fact... I think it's a fact, unless oh. I heard it on a TV show. We do have Wikipedia which, at our disposal. We can verify um, it. I... <laughs> I, I believe that it has been confirmed that it is not about marijuana. All right. If it's I, not, I gotta, I mean, I gotta, you know, this is not in the articles, folks, but we're going to cheat this one a little bit just because we want to know about the Magic Dragon, the song, what's it about? Oh, it's about the loss of innocence in children. Hmm. And that's it. Nothing about anything other than the obvious meaning of the song is meant to be taken from the song lyrics. That's amazing. It's almost as though people who write things are only trying to have their words interpreted in one way and not necessarily <laughs> spliced apart by a bunch of people who weren't them. Right. Huh, how about it? Well, there you have that. Okay, so, back to censorship in Singapore. Why are the Singaporeans such sticklers? That's a good question. I feel like their uh, film rating system is a little bit uh, strange. Wow. 
What is it that? Goes for, it has some of the standards, like G, PG, PG-13. Okay. And then it has no children below 16. And Which then, is a huge jump. Yeah. I mean, we jump from 13 up to 17 with but, our rated R. But rated R movies, but, you can still bring kids in. Right. Yeah. If you, you know. As long as there's appropriate parental guidance. Exactly. Um... But then they jump up to mature 18, which is two years. I feel like, in, you know, that's a strange um, designation there. Two yeah. years warrants a whole new rating. And then after that, you have 21. Whoa. Which, you know, I mean, we have these age restrictions for things like alcohol and tobacco and stuff. But I feel like having this short of a gap between ages is a little unnecessary. It would seem so, but then they go one step further. <laughs> Look at that last rating. It's not called allowed. NAR. Not allowed for all ratings. <laughs> it's a... Okay, so I think what we need to do now is kind of like go back through and figure out like what the premises that hold up these ratings okay. are. Let's all go right. back and start from the beginning. All right, so G... Pretty standard stuff. Suitable Suit- for all ages, right. right. PG, parental guidance. Suitable for most, but parents should guide their young. So, you know, it might have moderate violence or brief rear nudity, which I don't even think our PG allows that anymore. Doesn't it? It's. I'm pretty I, sure I, you've seen... I mean, maybe not now. Yeah, but we've I'm seen it in recently. the 80s, I'm sure. But, yeah, yeah. But at this point, it's kind of... If there's any nudity at all, it's PG-13. No so No I'm, ifs, ands, or buts. It's, it's strange that we're a little behind Singapore on that one. Though it does seem weird that there's, like, also a stipulation on PG just for mild sex references and innuendos. <laughs> if we didn't have innuendos in our <laughs> PG films, there would be no PG films. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, there would be no G <laughs> films, even. Have you... Have you seen, like, Puss in Boots? There's a reference Uh, about prison rape in Puss in Boots. Really? I know that, not because (laughs) I've seen the movie, but because John Oliver talks about the joke being in exceptionally poor taste. However, um, yeah, it's in there, and that's a G-rated film. Hmm. It's kind of like, eh. Yeah. (laughs) There wouldn't be G in America if Hmm. that was the case. No, not at all. So, all right, we go on to PG-13. Okay. That, again, is pretty standard but it does get a little specific here um it says moderate sexual imagery crude hand gestures rear and female frontal side nudity so we're talking about side boob we're not talking about yeah like nipple i think so nothing explicit just kind of like hey might be in a bikini yeah and be busty and side side things but that's strange. Like it's, it's harder a, to make side nudity happen <laughs> than any yeah. other kind of nudity. I think. Yeah, that's that's definitely strange. And then uh, NC sixteen, um, upper body female frontal nudity. Um, so I mean, that that's kind of they have a lower age limit on that stuff mm-hmm. in, in uh, regards to that. But then there's also things like strong horror, strong religious mm. themes. This is just... Also, they, they, their ratings also have basis in regards to same-sex kissing 
and homosexuality in general. Yeah, and this is... They seem to be very against that. As soon as you hit just, you know, two girls kissing, it's like you hit Katy Perry song. Mm Mm-hmm. No kids below 16. (laughs) Right. No kids below 16. Yeah. That's... None. None. We're not talking about, like, (laughs) if you have parental supervision, (laughs) we're saying... You kissed a girl and you liked it, you have to be 16 or over, and that's it. Yeah. Like, well, wow. I mean, at least they allow it at all. Well, yeah. You know, that's but... something. But, I mean, I, even if they're a little bit too stringent about things like that... Right. And then Mature 18, it's... Strong religious themes shows up again. Frequent mm. drug use. Now we're getting into moderate details like male and female genitalia. Homosexual themes. <laughs> Implied so yeah, basically, homosexual activity. <laughs> Wait, so that's not, that's not even like obvious. It's like implied. I don't know. That's strange. So if you're in, if you're in Singapore and you're 18, you can basically watch normal like pornographic material at that point. <laughs> but if there's anything even sort of homosexual about it, nope, still not there. <laughs> it can only be implied <laughs> at, that, at age 18. <laughs> It can't. It can't be a full blown thing. Okay. Well, this is a but, hot mess. Now I'm curious. What is strong religious themes? That's just. That's not even offensive. That's just strong religious themes in general. Like, what is? Do they mean like they're using them? Is, is it like sort of like an Amish thing where they don't appreciate graven images of their mm. you know traditions being you be. know created or or maybe they just don't like other religions in general and Maybe. they're like hey listen just you can't don't. be under in the impressionable age when you watch this movie that could be i mean it is just a very strange thing for me to like think of that though <laughs> i didn't realize that they were under such stringent like religious yeah. sort of uh guidelines in singapore because i always kind of like I know them from more of like a political perspective where they're right. this business leader. Mm-hmm. They're one of these little countries called the uh, Four Asian Tigers, and they're supposed to be a very successful, modernized, rich economy, mm-hmm. uh, very, very, you know, diplomatic. So you don't think of them as being like culturally backward in any way. <laughs> but here we are with <laughs> mild homosexuality and, you know, a little religion thrown in, and suddenly nobody under the age 18 can see it. Yeah. And then, when you jump up to 21, then you get into basically pornography. Yeah, at that um, point. Graphic, full frontal nudity, um, explicit, specifically heterosexual activities. Because at, even at age 21, here we go again, non-explicit homosexual activity. Yeah. You can have non-explicit... So basically, you finally get to, at age 21, see, like... Dudes kissing dudes and broads kissing broads, mm-hmm. on a, in, in like a movie film. That's yeah. that's all you. I mean, you, you, wow. you could when you're 21, you can see a movie that somehow contains two homosexual people kissing, and two heterosexual people full on doing the nasty. Yeah. With no with no, no holds, holds barred. barred. <laughs> like they can be swearing at each other. They could be, like, in front of, I don't know, a cross, God forbid, <laughs> about, you know, the whole yep. religion thing, and that's all fine, but, you know. And they could be hitting each other, drawing <laughs> blood. Other. Yeah, it could it's be, like, the all weirdest, that's... kinkiest thing. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then wow. the second 
those two homosexual people from before get into any of that stuff, then it's banned. Then it's banned. Not allowed for all ratings. Not allowed. Now, that's an interesting way to say it. Not allowed for all ratings? Yeah. Not allowed... Because you'd think it would be not allowed for all people, or not allowed for... We, yeah, I don't know. but... Uh, it's weird. Again, what we see here is... And this is something that's surprising. <laughs> uh, basically... As soon as you hit the not allowed for all ratings, you hit, uh, you know, very explicit. We're talking about um, actual acts of sex now. Yeah. For heterosexual couples, again, only. Um, but the most, uh, the, the most grandiose thing regarding um, same-sex activities is explicit promotion and normalization of the homosexual lifestyle. <laughs> that's it. Like, we don't even get into... Wow, there, there that's, isn't, yeah, that's not even... Like, we're not even talking about <laughs> guys kissing anymore. We're talking about, like, wow. two dudes buying a house together and filing their taxes together. That that alone gets you banned. That gets banned. You're not allowed and, to do it. <laughs> and even beyond that is also glorifying or encouraging drug and substance abuse... So even if it's not homosexual stuff, you can just be, like, drinking and partying, that's a ban. That's gone. You're done. And, I mean, that's... Wow. It's very strange what gets the ratings here. And and it seems like you can have much stronger stuff in a below rating. The second one small thing gets into your movie, it's a ban. Yeah, I... Wow. This is, uh... Pretty unprecedented. Yeah. I'm still... I'm, I'm still very curious. Like, why is this? It's... Okay, here's the here's a little subheading. Justification. Okay. The government of Singapore argues that censorship of political, racial, and religious issues to a certain extent is necessary to avoid upsetting the delicate balance of Singapore's multiracial society. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, if like, if it's really that diverse, it really and, is. I mean, Singapore is a very small nation. It's sort of a hub between a bunch of countries. Uh, they speak they they the primary language there is English, even oh. though it's like south of China and a little <laughs> bit, uh, a little bit east of Japan. So it's, uh, it's it is a very diverse country. Hmm. I do I do grant them that, but at the same time, it's kind of like, like it's a little strange to be this uh, yeah. uptight when you're trying to deal with everyone. You would mm-hmm. think you would be able to welcome everyone better by way of being less so, right. and only being uptight in situations where you need to be. It seems like you're sort of yeah. trying to blame your own, you know, reservations about the world mm-hmm. on your interactions with the rest of the world, which doesn't yeah. make too much sense. And it, it feels like they don't have faith in their own people to be able to not go to war with each other over right. seeing a movie. Right. Like, I don't know. It's It says that the uh, censorship review committee here meets every 10 years to review and update censorship object- ten objectives. 10 years? So maybe that's why it seems so backwards right that, now. That could be. Like, we haven't started to see legalization of same-sex marriages and so forth in mm-hmm. America. And it's only that's only started in the last 10 years or right. so, where it's really been brought to court and decided upon. So Yeah, I guess a 10 years is a pretty big gap. So yeah, we, I'm, we're thinking I'm sure. about this from a hyper-modernized perspective in a right. very developed country. 
Singapore, you know, developed as they are, they're not necessarily mm-hmm. surrounded by as much development. So right. we have to take that into consideration too, and that's probably why we're we're seeing so many like differentiations here. Wow. So that was an, that was a fun little article. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty much um, hitting the time constraints here we really are but we but, haven't gone through that this has been yeah this, this is, is we've a, had some really good things mm-hmm. we really uh chomped away at these articles that we found i like it um, i like it yeah i i'm i'm happy i'm satisfied my clicking finger is not even tired out <laughs> yeah i guess i don't know we'll, i guess we'll stop at censorship in singapore all right so <laughs> we have gone across the world. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, there you have it. From Lockport Township High School to censorship in Singapore. If you enjoyed this, please visit facebook.com slash TWC podcast, as well as iTunes and, you know, like follow and rate and whatever you do. And then you can also find new episodes on the website, tbwc.ericturibio.com. And you should also check out the other podcasts there um, uh, on the Eric Tribute Podcast Network. Enter the Critic and Ninjas vs. Podcast. Uh, Enter the Critic is movie reviews and Ninjas vs. Podcast. Puts things against each other and figures out a winner. So I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Muddy Waters for our outro song. And I already told you the totally true fact earlier in this episode, so we'll <laughs> yes, skip. We we'll skip that. We got we got that <laughs> out of the way. Um, but thank you all again for joining us. I was Eric, and I was John, and this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. I got a mojo too. I got the John the Yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> I mean, good lord, does that take less time to do? Yeah, that's more fun. I that, think we yeah. had a lot. We had good conversation. Oh yeah, for sure. On top of, on top of good. I mean, we also had good articles. So yeah, that, that that definitely helped. Parallel universes, man. What a yeah. good choice. That was good. Yeah, it was. Glad we took that route. Think about how many other parallel universes where we didn't end up taking that route. So, <laughs> like there were a lot. But man, that was that was fun. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely think that's the way to go. I think it's definitely just going to be um, us getting used to doing that. And once we get really good at it, get relaxed while doing it, mm-hmm. it's just going to get better and better. Yeah. For the time being, I'm sure we're going to have some like blatant consistency issues, but <laughs> uh, maybe even some blatant factual accuracy issues. But you know what? It's uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. If people can edit it, we can edit it ourselves too, with our words, <laughs> and our mouths. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with factual inaccuracies. That's the spirit of Wikipedia. It's the spirit of the internet. Everybody has Google. <laughs> they can all just like, if they're like, wait, no, I don't think that's right. Google. Okay. I'm right. They're yeah. wrong. Those idiots on the podcast misquoted it. <laughs> like that's fine. That's the that's a that's the society we live in. We want to be educational, but we don't have to be right. (laughs) That's how education works, Eric. (laughs) 